Well, welcome everybody to episode 12 of the Blah Valve podcast. It's the podcast for all things automotive and motorsports news, as well as anything else we find interesting from the world of cars that week. Uh, we're your hosts, Alex and Tucker, and we're actually recording this a little bit early because we're both working this weekend. So <laughs> we wanted to make sure we got a podcast out on time. So you know, this past Sunday, we had the epic F1 race and, and our last great. episode it was, was kind one, of... Yeah. Man, it was so good. It was kind of fun following all like the social media takeaways from, yeah, just people being like, oh, you know, Lewis gets all the luck. And, you know, that was BS. And they coined a fun name for, um, what's his name? Oh, Nikita. (laughs) Yes. You want to tell everybody what it is? Mazda Spin. Mazda Spin. (laughs) Dude, I love it. I, I I hope that Haas is like, the the teacup ride at Disneyland. Dude. I spinning all season. <laughs> I agree. I don't man. want anyone getting hurt. I hope he doesn't take anybody yeah. out or hurt himself. But man, I yeah, just I got a feeling that it's going to be more ice. spinning in our future. <laughs> well, I mean, they they said they're not developing that car at all over the season. So yeah. I mean, he's going to have to if adapt it sucks, to it. it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, so awesome. yeah. So you know, we went on at length about that and and had a great time talking about it should be a good season, but we want to kind of get back into some car world news this week. And the first one, Volkswagen gifted us a wonderful, poorly conceived April Fool's Day joke. <laughs> so a couple days ago, Volkswagen Group put out a press release saying that they were changing their name for their operations in the US to Volkswagen, kind of along with the EV push that their group is making. And this was on their supposedly it was a press release. It was on their official page that they put out their press release. I follow a couple automotive journalists on on Instagram and, and Twitter. And one of them, Jason Camisa, kind of put it like this. He said, whatever goes up on that website, you take as, you know, awesome. God's honest truth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is not to be violated. So <laughs> what ended up happening is it came to light that this was an April Fool's joke. So VW got all this backlash of, oh, that's such a corny name. That's so terrible. Don't change it. And it was such a negative response. (laughs) They had to officially announce that, no, this was an April Fool's joke. Our intention was we were going to let this simmer for a couple of days. And then on April April 1st, tell everybody that it was an April Fool's joke. But like I said, the... Apparently, the cardinal sin that was committed, at least in the eyes of a lot of the automotive press, was that they didn't give any indication, you know, um, sure. Camisa said in his Instagram post, I think, you know, it would have been one thing if they put this out and then like the car in their advertisement had like a just kidding on the license plate, you know, or some yeah, kind of play, playful thing. You know, it was poorly conceived. And kind of what I wanted to ask you was, do you think these huge multinational corporations should be doing April Fool's jokes? It seems like every time I see one happen, it always goes south. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need to have a very talented and and maybe well well paid um, <clears throat> advertising team yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna do it. I, I think here, you know, my initial reaction to this, and and I gotta say, initially, as I it came across my radar, I thought mm-hmm. this is just falling into the category of we need to find things to be outraged about. Yeah, and and the the most popular Twitter post is like who comes up with the wittiest 
you know, out, outrage right. Yeah, right. <laughs> to this. And, and, but, you know, when you kind of start to dig into it, you realize there really was no hint that this was not real. Right. And uh, like you said, it's kind well, of taken as the well, ground truth, whatever goes up on that website. And yeah. when, you know, it's pushed out a little too early, people maybe don't tie it together with, you know, yeah. April 1st. And then they think, yeah. God, you know, that's just a really bad idea. That's just like a terrible name. <laughs> and yeah. then it all just comes crashing down. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think this could have been funny. The problem is, like, I love a good dad joke, and Volkswagen is a great dad joke. But yeah, the, it was the it was the way it was delivered. Like, if they had come out on Twitter on April first and said this, yeah. I've been like, oh, that's funny, that's you know, cute. But yeah. you you have literally editors for major automotive magazines, like the Motor Trend. One of the chief editors at Motor Trend, he he put out a thing talking about how he thought it was a bad name, and you know, et cetera. It's like. All these really respective journalists going out and had and to write articles. <laughs> had to write articles. I mean, this is major news. One of right. the biggest car manufacturers in the world is changing their name in in the U.S. One of their biggest markets to this new name. So to put it out on what is supposed to be their trusted format, I think it left a lot of journalists with egg on their face. Yeah, and that, feeling yeah, like resentful about like you made me look like an asshole to you know the tens of thousands of people that follow me on Twitter or Instagram or or whatever yeah. you know it it just I think that's where they went wrong and these can go you know a lot of ways I, I'm pretty sure <laughs> you'd have to fact check me on this but I I thought like CG Project Red they originally said like the Gwent card game from The Witcher. Yeah. Yeah, I think they, it, yeah, okay. It's they, coming back they to me initially now put that out that they were producing that as an April Fool's joke, <laughs> and got such a positive response that they actually made a game. Basically, <laughs> they were like, "Oh shit, we have to actually people make people actually this. want this." <laughs> yeah, you know. So, so there's, you know, I obviously we're both into video games, and and there's a pretty grand tradition from video game companies yeah. of doing April Fool's jokes, making joke game announcements on April first and everything. But, yeah. you know, I think it's a challenge. It We've seen, thanks to BMW, that, like, social media oh, can yeah. be a real challenge for <laughs> some of well, these big like, car manufacturers. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, probably the truth of the matter is you, like I was saying earlier, you really have to have a talented group of people probably doing right. this. And a group of people that has kind of has their finger on the pulse. And right. if you were to have, like, me step in <laughs> and yeah. run your social media account it yeah. would be terrible <laughs> right I, yeah I, I, think, I would get banned probably within two weeks yeah you need you need to have like someone in their mid-20s who understands the various aspects of social exactly. media that kind yeah. of memes the in jokes and can kind of play into that and and work well like if this is some like 45 year old white dude at you know, a marketing company thinking it's funny. It's like, dude, no, just Probably get out of the game, man. And, yeah. <laughs> like, stick to, I, stick I think, to traditional advertising. Yeah. I I do like to see, you know, the world that we live in is, you know, we everybody kind of walks on eggshells. And Very so it is kind of nice yeah. to see people have a little bit of fun, but um, it's almost not worth it sometimes. And I think if you're a big yeah. multinational I know you're always trying to like be edgy or trying to find new mm -hmm. avenues of advertising, getting people's attention. So yeah. you go out and you do things and you screw up 
and most mm-hmm. of the time eventually it gets forgotten. Like yeah. think back to um, Peloton's what was it advertisement? Oh couple, yeah, the, the yeah. advertisement about like my husband got me this. Total disaster! Total disaster! However, yeah, yeah. little did we know there was a pandemic coming. And every gentleman experienced booming sales. <laughs> and they literally ran out of units to sell. Yeah. So right. um, that's, you know, things get forgotten in time. Yeah. And, and it's probably an experiment, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's a good it's, point. I, I'm I sure whoever came up with it is very embarrassed about the whole idea and feels awful. So I, I kind of yeah. do feel for them. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think, like I said, it could have been funny. It's just, it's the, the wasn't medium executed. <laughs> was not executed well. Yeah. So, but anyways, I got a kick out of the whole, all the shenanigans yeah. over the course of the day. So um, the next one, less funny if you're on the receiving <laughs> end. Uh, so reports have been surface, surfacing recently and kind of becoming more public after a guy put out a YouTube video about it. But basically, Tesla has been charging some customers twice for their new cars. So multiple reports now are kind of coming out that uh, customers are being charged twice when they place their order for a new Tesla without any authorization or warning that they're being charged this additional sum. Uh, when one buyer drove to the Tesla, his local Tesla kind of storefront in Burbank to get the issue resolved. He was told he had to call his bank to reverse the charge that Tesla couldn't do anything about it, or that at least their store couldn't. And this same buyer was also told by employees at the Burbank store that, quote, hundreds of customers were experiencing the same issue with duplicate charges. And there's a few articles out out about this now, but I mean, it's been pretty devastating for some people because yeah. they bought a, you know, a $70,000 Model Y and then all of a sudden their bank gets debited for $140,000. I mean, then they did the right thing and they paid cash for it. And then boom, all of a sudden there's a double charge. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you, you know, for people, I think one of the guys in one of the articles was saying, you know, this really puts us in a financial bind. And I think the, the response, the initial response that you could have is like, if that puts you in a bind, why are you buying a $70,000 car? But then I thought about it. I was like, well, there's not a whole, I mean, it's, you know, maybe he had a hundred grand in the bank, paid 70 in cash for this car. Like yeah. that's not an unreasonable thing to do, yeah. you know, but like if all of a sudden he's overdrafted by $40,000, not great, you know, and, and I and think they alluded to in that article that that <clears throat> individual in particular was working on, um, they were moving and trying to buy mm-hmm. a house. So they right. presumably had some money for a down payment and all that got screwed up and yeah. you know, the housing market's insane right now. So that's, you know, unfortunate. Yeah. I think it was, con- you know, it was, it was concerning to me because there were some customers that had this happen and Tesla just flat out didn't respond to their emails or calls. Agree. That, that's, that's why insane. this guy went down to the, Bur- the Burbank store. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what, you know, from my perspective with these kind of like, direct sales manufacturers you've right. got to have your shit together you've got to your have customer exceptional service customer service because yep. you know one of the things that you know we were just talking you know before we started we were kind of alluding to the fact that it is really nice having local support and right. so like if you had some hiccup at a dealership in town you'd probably just call them and be like dude you guys like double double charged me and right. they'd be like, oh, yeah, we'll try to, we'll go, we'll get that fixed today. Like, no yeah. problem. We got, we'll get that fixed. But right. you're, no, what you're no. stuck dealing with is some like large multinational where these people are paging through a binder of canned responses like, 
Oh, it says here I need to tell them to try to reverse the charge at your bank. Right. Yeah, <laughs> You're no, like, I are you kidding me? Well, that is not so, alcohol. So a good analogy kind of along what you're alluding to is when my wife and I bought our new washer and dryer, the washer was in stock, but the dryer was not. And we decided to buy from a local appliance, like locally owned appliance shop here in town. And they were awesome about keeping in touch with us saying like, hey, your dryer, you know, should be coming in this state. Can we install it on this date? Like giving really, I mean, their their customer service is really good. And we, we even made the comment to each other we're like, yeah, could you imagine if we like just bought these on, you know, through Best Buy or Home Depot or whatever. Yeah, um, some random online some, store. Some, yeah, and they just show up and, you know. They're you jacked up or they're not working. Or, yeah. yeah, it was just very reassuring to know like, hey, I can literally go down and get talk to the guy that I bought this from who owns the store yeah. and work out, you know, if there's an issue, I can work it out. And with these direct-to-consumer sales, like, you know, like you said, you've got to be on point because otherwise trust gets eroded extremely quickly. Yeah, and it's, you know what, it's not like you're putting through an Amazon order that's like $50. You're buying a car. Right. You're, right. you're spending an insane amount of money. And so I think like... Yeah. These type of things that when they pop up in these organizations need to be ramped up like yeah. really quickly to high levels to get yeah. fixed. I mean, it's and, scaled pretty quickly too. You buy a 40,000 model Y and get charged 80, that's bad. But if you buy a $100,000 model X model, uh, and get charged yeah, right. 200, holy crap. <laughs> Not good, no. man. <laughs> Not no. good. And, you know, and there's a comment from, there's a, there's a consumer analyst that was talking in one of the articles and he said, you know, this is not uncommon in online consumer sales, like people yeah. buying self, like a new say iPhone on the Apple website and getting charged twice. And they have to basically right. charge back for one of them and all that. And it's like, okay, that's, I won't say that's fine for that stuff. It's not fine. It's not fine, but it's, it's one thing for buying an $800 iPhone and you get charged 1600. That can be like an all oh, crap moment, you know, I think for the most part, not like a, how am I going to put yeah, food exactly. on the table moment, but all of a sudden having a $100,000 overdraft from your bank is a, oh my God moment. <laughs> yeah. And I, honestly, this is a, for me, I mean, you know, it's like when people tell somebody like, don't put your hand on the hot stove. It's kind of like one of those lessons that yeah. now that I've heard that this can theoretically happen. Mm -hmm. out of my checking account or my savings account, yeah. I will probably never do this. <laughs> I will no, probably no. just get a cashier's check and just yep. say, this is all that you get. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, it, it goes back to, we had this discussion in our, one of our first episodes about kind of our car history, but you gave me some really good advice about when I was considering what kind of car to get, looking at Ferrari, McLaren, all this stuff. And you said really consider local because the aftercare can be crucial because yeah. you had experienced something with a nice stereo system that you have where that you didn't have close, you know, support no. and it had to all be done remotely and it was a pain in the butt. <laughs> and and, you're, and we were talking about before we got on, uh, started recording today, yeah. just being able to drive up to the dealer and say, Hey, I'm having this issue or I've just got routine maintenance or whatever. Like it, it is a, it, it is helpful to know and kind of helps me like not be stressed about stuff like that, knowing like, yeah, okay, it's not that I, it's an hour away. It's no big deal. And, and that's just it. You know, it's, 
it's like something that I've just learned as I've as I've gotten older and you know we've purchased different items. It's some things okay I can live without for this week and I'll put it in this box, ship it back, and I guess they'll fix it. Mm-hmm. But it's a little different when it's your car and you're relying yeah. on that to get you to work and mm-hmm. you know get kids places and stuff like that. And so I yeah. think that it's it is something that you know everybody kind of beats on the dealership and I get it. Uh it's you know, one of those things, uh, it's just a pain in the ass to have to go buy a car most of the time. Right. Um, but when once you're past that step, mm-hmm. the uh, local service that you can like, they'll take you to work, pick you up at work, you know, yeah. give you a loan or if your car's in for a couple of days, things yeah. like that. You know, if it's your only car, it's yeah. really helpful. And, and so yeah. I agree. It's something that, you know, I think a lot about now is when I buy something that's maybe techie or, you mm-hmm. know, somewhat more Cutting expensive. Head. I think to myself, what is the support? <laughs> That's like my first yeah. question. What the yeah. hell is the support with this? No, totally. Like this week, my, my 911 is up, you know, getting its routine to your maintenance done. And, uh, you know, I, I was able to drive up there and drop it off. And my wife didn't have to come with a separate car or anything. Cause they just gave yeah. me like a loaner Cayenne and didn't have to worry about it. You know, like just the peace of mind of that is, such a, yeah. a game changer in terms of, you know, it's already a hard enough to have to drive an hour just to drop your car off or an hour and a half really. Right. But right. Uh, and, you know, and honestly, that that's one of the things much. that, you know, these newer manufacturers, I think about uh, Lucid, I think about yeah. Rivian and I wonder, okay, where the hell are these service points going to be? Because I can guarantee you, 100% guarantee you, and you can just go on any of these car sites forums when they come out, Mm -hmm. it will just be people complaining for the first year about all the things that go wrong. That is just how it is with a new product. There's no getting around that. And it's with us, you know, the other electric vehicle we own is the Audi e-tron. Well, we have an Audi dealership in town and mm-hmm. so, you know, we've had a couple hiccups with it. Not nothing yeah. that's really been like too catastrophic or annoying, but it's yeah. all been dealt with in town and it's been seamless. And it's, so um it's the it's same a, thing. I, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's kind of a barrier to entry. Like totally. um if I lived in Los Angeles or if I lived in Chicago, I would kind of expect that these new companies are probably gonna have some service center. But yeah. if I'm 300 miles away from them, that's a barrier to entry. And yeah. I'm probably not going to consider that vehicle until we're a few years down the road. And there's, well, one, the company is, it's still around. And if it is, yeah. presumably they've expanded into markets that are maybe like mid-tier mm-hmm. and you have a little bit closer access to. Yeah, I I agree. I think that, you know, Rivian with, has, you know, backing from Ford. So I'm assuming that Ford is going to have some support at, at its dealerships for Rivian products. Yeah. But Lucid is they're gonna have to build out their own infrastructure. And and I agree with you. It's it's one thing if you live in LA or or Southern California or something, but if you're in the middle of the country or or outside yeah. of a city with less than a million people, like, you know, yeah. are you gonna get the support you need? On top of that, they're a new company. And so oh. if I was them and I'm selling this car, I would be saying we need to have the best customer service in the industry. Right. Like you can come out and say to me, 
you know what, we're going to guarantee this battery, we're going to guarantee this powertrain for 10 years, and we'll yeah. cover everything that's wrong with it. Well, that's yeah. great, but if your service center is 500 miles from me, <laughs> and yeah. I'm having issues with your car every yeah. two months, forget it, like, I'm not interested. Yeah, no, I agree. I think they've got to be, you know, you can talk about with the EV stuff, you can talk about range and speed and all this stuff. It kind of gets samey-samey when you're talking about a $150,000 EV sedan. Like, they're all real fast. They're Um, all real fast. But what can then help differentiate them aside from what they look like is what is that experience in the after-purchase situation? Because that's... That's one of the biggest knocks I've heard consistently about Tesla is the after purchase follow up is really poor. It's something that put me off really looking at McLaren's. Um, yeah. was, one, the the dealership was very far away, and two, you know, I had heard nightmares about their their aftercare of their customers. Um, yeah. So I think that is a huge thing. Uh, it, you know, when it comes to my daily driver, I won't consider any car that I that I can't get serviced here in town yeah, because it's just, I think the truth is that in time EVs will eventually be much lower maintenance. Yeah. But we are not there yet. It is just the truth. We are not there yet yeah. for a lot of these companies. It's new tech. It's mm-hmm. growing pains. You are basically beta testing. Yeah. And them. you have to learn who you can trust. Like you said, like, you know, all these companies are, you know, I mean, Tesla's the old man of this group, yeah. you know, and and so when you're talking about Rivian, Lucid, I feel like there's a new EV concept debuting from a company I've never heard of just about every other week. And it's like, well, this is all great, but like, I don't know, you know, I don't know if you're building these in a shed. Like, uh, yeah, you know, no, I mean, right? You look at, you, yeah, you look at some of the crazy <laughs> pictures. Yeah, from it some of the Tesla cool. builds where you know they're they're using like lumber. And, yeah, uh, right. Tie yeah. downs. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah, like hold things together. It's like, um, yeah. I hope they're making that up, but I don't think they're making that up. No, yeah, that's the problem. They don't think they are. <laughs> um. Anyways, I, yeah, I think it's it. It is a really the customer service side of things is extremely important. Hopefully, these people get yeah publicity get is going to be enough <laughs> that they they get refunded quickly but you know i think it's a real eye-opener for buying this stuff in this manner like it seems great direct to consumer i don't have to go to a dealer you deliver it to my house etc but if i if If i write a check at a dealer it's maybe not worth it yeah and if i write a check at a dealership i know it's not going to be you know cash twice (laughs) Um, yeah exactly and but anyways for our last our last uh topic of the day is is uh, actually kind of along the same topic of EVs and and kind of the changing architecture of of the car industry. So AMG uh, this week said that uh, they confirmed that the next C63 and the GT73 AMG cars will be plug-in hybrids um, with pure electric AMGs coming next year. So Mercedes has developed this, what they call an e-performance modular hybrid system that's going to place a two-speed gearbox, an electric motor with up to 201 horsepower, and an electronic diff on the rear axle in one kind of solid package. Um, The new SIG 63 will be the first that's going to feature this plug-in hybrid powertrain, and it's going to combine a four-cylinder turbocharged engine with the e-motor for a total of over 600 horsepower. And it's also going to feature all-wheel drive as pretty much all these heavy hybrid and EV cars. Yeah. 
And for the GT73, they're going to be combining the uh, electric motor with AMG's 4-liter twin-turbo engine for uh, 805 horsepower and 738 pound-feet of torque. Crazy numbers. I, I mean, know, I know. It, it, <laughs> it's, it's just getting my, stupid. My question, my question for you, and I'm, we've touched on this in other conversations, but is this power creep going to stop? So, you know, yeah. there's this vicious cycle of hybridization, which adds more weight to the car, but your customers are not going to want to hear that the new C63 is slower than the old C63. So you've got to crank up the power even more to get the better zero to 60 times, get the higher top speeds um, than the previous generation. So what you end up with is, you know, these cars that are weighing 4,000, 5,000 pound, just land sleds that are just absolute rockets. Like you've mentioned that before with the Taycan, it's heavy as shit, but holy crap, it's a land missile. That's the truth. I, well, you know, the first thing I thought when I saw this, and I'm, I'm, it's AMG, so I'm sure they're going to find a way to make these sound good. Yeah, but that's going to be the challenge. Four-cylinder? Yeah. Like, what the hell is that going to sound like? I, I honestly I don't know. And So that's kind of why I wonder. Um, I'd be very curious to know what it sounds like. And if I was a customer, I don't know that I'd want to, like, dip my toes halfway in and have a car that sounds like what my jetta gli had years ago <laughs> which is right. a four-cylinder engine yeah you know i'm sure yeah. they'll make it sound good but maybe just wait until you know the next year when it's all electric and not you screw around with it you know? yeah no and i know and take the leap <clears throat> i mean that four-cylinder's got to be making about 400 horsepower impressive for a four-cylinder it um, is That's you know true. factory but i agree with you like you know amg's are known for their exactly. nasty sounding brutish exactly. V8. And so now you've got a four cylinder. It's like, and, yeah, you know, a four cylinder comes in a Camry, not in a, I know. In the and 80s. it, it, it kind of cool. harkens back to the BMW scenario where they took the, um, what did they overlay a V10 on the, was it the M2? Uh, oh, well, well, there was the V10 M5 from the Bangle. Yeah. It was like a social media post. Oh gosh, I don't know. And they took yeah, the mean. they took an engine that was obviously not the engine in the car, and they overlaid oh, oh, it. Oh, I'm sorry. Was, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It was a it was a Lamborghini V10 that they yes. overlaid on an on the uh, M2 <laughs> advertisement for uh, Valentine's Day or something, or, or for Christmas. Yeah, years. and people I know. know right? I mean, people people know. People are like, <laughs> like, wait a minute, that's a Lamborghini V10, <laughs> a naturally aspirated engine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So maybe they're gonna put speakers in these, and they're gonna record the old V8s and you yeah, know, pipe pipe some tunes out in some speakers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to get I don't know. I, you know, I've I've heard that for the um, the rumors. You know, the Lotus Avaya that all electric 2000 horsepower Lotus that's coming out. Their yeah. car. Supposedly they're going to be doing the, the sound that the car is going to make is basically mm-hmm. going to be the record, like a uh, recording of an old Lotus formula one engine. Supposedly. Interesting. I don't um, know what to make of that. But here's the thing like this to me is, and, and they've been, you know, piping engine sound into the cabin. Isn't new. Being yeah, that's true. Start this, but it always bugs me. Because I know it's fake. It can sound amazing. But if I know it's fake, if I'm if I'm gonna know that it's a fake engine sound, just give me a Ferrari V12. 
if I, I don't care if I'm yeah. driving a, <laughs> whatever electric car I'm driving, if I'm driving a Tesla or I'm driving a lucid air, make it sound like a Ferrari V12. If we're going <laughs> to anyways, you know? <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe you'll be able to download, you know, your song of choice. You it, know, it's like, like when we were teenagers downloading. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, going back to your original comment, uh, looking at these numbers, I mean, 805 horsepower, yeah. 738 pounds of, to- I mean, it's, it's madness, man. I, um, we're going to have a know, lot of icon moments of people uh, just driving these. It's so here's a great, here's a good, here's a great point. Like, first of all, every time I've purchased a car, I've thought, you know, I would like to iterate and, and try to have a different experience um in terms of power and so i've always asked like for a little bit more and the the tycon is the first time that i i fundamentally think i've reached the limit and the reason i say that is there was a a week ago where i was merging onto the highway and some jackass of course in a raptor which all just (laughs) kind of you know ties together nicely in a bow yeah (laughs) driving like an idiot in the left lane going probably 90 miles an hour or 80 miles an hour and yeah. he cuts into the right lane as I'm merging. The, mm-hmm. So the the point I'm trying to make is, with these EVs, uh, their power is instantaneous. It's literally yeah. like teleportation. And so right. for other drivers, it's difficult for them to react. And I was saying to my yeah. wife, you know, if I was getting on that highway and decided, like, ah, you know punch what, it. I'm going to punch it. This will be fun. Yeah. You'd I would have completely, both of us would have been in the same lane at the same point. Yeah. And that dude yeah. would have had no idea where my car came from. Yeah. And so I think that's the problem with this. Uh, from a manufacturer's perspective, every year you have to say to yourself and your customers, we've made this a little bit faster, a little bit better. Yeah. But when we're talking already like the 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 Tycon Turbo S and the freaking uh, Model S Plaid, you know, <laughs> plus booster, whatever, plaid yeah. mode. Yeah. can go like two seconds, zero to 60 in two seconds. We're, we're reaching yeah. like the theoretical limit here. And, um, yeah. it's, it's honestly more power than, than I can handle, um, for daily driving, certainly. And I think it's, it's going to exhaust itself at some point, And I don't know what at that stage will be the, the differentiator, but I know for yeah. me as an automotive enthusiast, power has become, um, less of an addiction. I'm more interested in my cars in the future, maybe being older cars. Unique experiences. Um, basically, yeah. yeah, unique driving experiences because the power is just, it's its all going to feel the same, honestly, to God. You know, when you're, there's going to be some absurd Camry someday that has 700 horsepower and electric yeah. and a Ford that's got that. So they'll all feel the same. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I I think that's why like my interest for my next car is kind of skewing again like stuff that I loved growing up like the GTR and and cuz that's an interesting experience. Um I really more and more am understanding Colin Chapman's famous saying, you know, simplify and add lightness as his ethos yeah. for Lotus. And yeah. What I'm hoping that these manufacturers start doing is instead of just what is the top horsepower number that you can splash across the magazine cover and across social media, I'm hoping that they start saying like, this is getting crazy. How about we start talking about power to weight ratios? How about instead of a 5,000 pound car with 600 horsepower, we make a 3,500 pound car with 450 horsepower, you know, and 
And now you're getting into something that is probably going to be more fun. The handling will be better. You know, you're not burning like modern these all yeah. these EVs. If you if you put anything that's not a rock hard all season tire on them, are going to yeah, absolutely burn through tires, dude. Oh, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, you we went out for a drive not that long ago in the 911. And, um, you know, zipping through some of the corners, I just thought, no way, like no way in the Taycan. Like yeah, it could, it theoretically could do it, but I would not be left with tires. It's just too much mass. And, and you're putting, you're putting 5,000, a 5,000 pound car that can go <laughs> through, that can go zero to 60 in two seconds. The, the rears. Something's got to give. They're going to give. <laughs> Uh, you know, and it's so, entire budget. you know, there's all these things, you know, breaks, all this stuff can kind of start getting kind of dialed back a little bit. If you don't have such a heavy car all the time, it really is. I think it's going to come to a point where hopefully the manufacturers will do this because there's precedent, um, in Japan in the late eighties or mid eighties, they, the government basically stepped in and limited the amount of horsepower that Interesting. Japanese manufacturers could, uh, I think it was limited to like 240, basically because they were having uh, a significant number of automotive deaths from uh, young young people racing really high powered sports cars like the Nissan 300ZX and and um, you know cars of that nature. Uh, and so there's precedent for the government to say, hey enough's enough and yeah. you know for a while in germany there was a gentleman's agreement about how much horsepower their sports cars could produce between mercedes and bmw and i, I think as far as i know that's gone by the wayside but that was <laughs> true for a while so yeah so anyways i mean i think it's it's getting crazy hopefully they start yeah. looking and saying hey you know what we can get good zero to 60 numbers <clears throat> by making the cars lighter um and dialing back the crazy horsepower numbers. I mean, I don't need some, you know, 50-year-old, you know, suburban housewife taking her kid to soccer practice in a seven, 800 horsepower AMG GT. I mean, it's just it's terrifying to me. <laughs> I agree. Uh, quite frankly. I agree. So, anyways, um, I think that's going to about wrap it up for this week. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you want to interact with us, uh, we're the blow off files podcast on Instagram. It's a good place to um, follow us and, you know, ask us questions, uh, get new, you know, give us topics you want to hear about on the show. Uh, we're happy to, to, you know, take any feedback you can give us like, and like, and subscribe to the show on iTunes rate us. It really helps uh, hopefully get, uh, you know, more people listening over time and, and grow the, the community of listeners we have. So um, until next time, thank you all so much. <laughs>